You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This hour of Sportsnet Today coming at you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. They are all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. It's a Flames game day. Flames and Vancouver Canucks. First of a two-game homestand for the Flames. Six o'clock, Flames roll up with Pat Steinberg here on Sportsnet 960. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson with the call at seven o'clock. You can also watch this one on Sportsnet West. And to help us take a look at the opposition for the Calgary Flames tonight, we're kicking off this hour down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome to our pal, Vic Nazar from Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. Uh, following a game day win for the Canucks last night against the Islanders. Vic, what's up, man? How's it going, man? Pumped up. Back-to-backs. Two yep. straight back-to-backs in a week is, is, is not cool. That's terrible <laughs> NHL scheduling. Yeah. Uh, road back-to-backs for the Canucks, too. They got a little travel mixed in there. But uh, mm-hmm. emotional night last night. Uh, I wasn't sure during all the discourse over Twitter what exactly to expect uh, with Bo Horvat coming back to Vancouver. But uh, he sure seemed to, to show the emotion that I think a lot of fans were, were grateful for. And even more important for Canucks fans, they picked up the win. Yeah, I think from the Horvat side, I think we always knew it was going to be an emotional return. Now, they got to play uh, the Canucks last year in Long Island, but coming back here, I, I think from Horvat's side, it was always going to be emotional. Like, you know, player spends nine years, you, you know, it's going to mean something to him. Uh, but given what was said in uh, New York uh, in April, you know, there was some concern maybe it would be a, a frosty return. And, and there was early boos, but, you know, I, I think fans just kind of put up to say, you're not allowed to say that. And we still respect that you, you're here for nine years. And as soon as the video tribute went, like the, the boost slowly faded away through that course of that first period. And it was like, okay, we said our piece. We appreciate what you did here. Here's your applause, and let's get on with the game. And it was very much about, uh, for, for, for both teams, um, it wasn't about Bull Horvat last night, even though he was part of the story, but for where both teams are in, in their positions, like the Islanders need to get wins and the Canucks just keep rolling. <laughs> Would you have imagined the return for Bo Horvat looking like it did now where the Islanders are kind of scuffling and all of a sudden the Canucks are on top of the Western Conference as we walk into this matchup with Calgary tonight? I could have imagined the Islanders side. Um, Like if you told me both teams were 500, I could have pictured that. If you told me the Canucks had a chance to go for first place in the West, not a prayer at all. Uh, it, it's it's mind-boggling, man. I, I, it, like, every day it changes uh, the, the conversation for us over here because it's like, okay, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of good, but, but just wait. And now they're 25 points in 16 games, and there's this demand of like, all right, push the button. They're good now. And I, I'm still holding true to, like, November 22nd they play Colorado. I think they play the Vegas Golden Knights on the 30th. So I'm still kind of holding – Onto the bag late. I'm I'm fine to be late to the party on this one, but it's it's changing game by game because they're just not picking up losses. Uh, Ryan Huska said today when uh, asked to evaluate the Vancouver Canucks, they said they don't give you a lot of time and space. They're a very offensive-minded team, uh, a team that takes advantage of their opportunities, and I guess 
that's uh, a pretty fair assessment knowing that we're walking into play today, Bick, with uh, three Vancouver Canucks tied atop the NHL's point standings. Uh, what has worked so well for this group under Rick Tockett this year and got them off to this historic start in your mind? Name any passage of play, like any generic passage of play, and it has seemingly worked for Rick Tockett. You want the back pressure to be better? It's been there. You want the power play to be better? They've instituted this new you know, movement-style, motion-style power play. It's working. You'll, you'll find JT Miller all over the ice. He's not just uh, shackled to that left wall. He can go down low on both sides of the net. He can come up high. Pedersen's coming up high. Uh, he's not shooting as much recently. Maybe there's something bothering him uh, with an upper body injury, but there's so much movement on that power play, and it's working. The, the PK, it, it looks structurally sounder, and Rick Tockett has harped on it that, you know, based on the stats where they were last year, like just over 70%, and this year they're sitting at 75%, it doesn't look like a big gap, but Rick Tockett has harped on over and over. It's like, hey, we like it. It just feels like we've had some bad luck, uh, and maybe we'll, we'll start getting to an old natural number. Um, but the big thing is, I think for Calgary fans that may have watched the Canucks last year and see him tonight, there's a certain like renewed commitment from the players. And and that to me is the big thing outside of just a, a tactical thing is apparently a leopard can change their spots. And it's, it's wild to see a committed JT Miller playing as uh, ferocious as he is, like in the face of uh, the opposition's best players. You know, last night, Against Horvat, you know the, the shot metrics looked a certain way in favor of Horvat, and it hasn't happened that much for uh, opposition's best lines. And the thing is, even with there was the the, the Corsi clearly favoring the Islanders in the Barzell line, it didn't result in a lot of high danger chances. There was the one obviously where Horvat converts, but that was really about it. Adversity doesn't seem to bother this team as well. They got down 3-1 in that game last night and hearing from Quinn Hughes and, and others post-game pick, it, it seems like this team has a, a large sense of self-belief in themselves that they have the ability, they have the guys in that locker room that even when those situations arise, they can get out of them. And I'm not sure that's something we've always seen with this group of Canucks core players. No, that's... That's exactly what I mean by the, the mentality change that we've seen uh, from these players. And, look, they, they haven't had to come back a whole uh, heck of a lot. I, I think they've been trailing uh, going into the second four times this year, and they're one in three, obviously, last night being the first win. But they, they've paced teams um, a, a quite a great deal. They, they're 10-0 and 0, uh, when then leading after two. So they haven't had to come back. But I, I imagine it's like when you're having success, suddenly a deficit uh, doesn't seem that big of a issue. And – Again, it's their star players doing it. And when you're talking about self-belief, you are looking for people to try to drag guys into the fight or, or push the fight. And it's been Quinn Hughes. It's been JT Miller. It's been Elias Pettersson. That's why they're atop the scoring lead at 26 points. And it, Quinn Hughes is on another level this year. It's, it's been phenomenal to watch. I'm sure people have seen the stats that get tweeted out or mentioned, you know, the numbers are on par with, like, Bobby Orr. I'm not trying to suggest that there's similar players or anything like that, but the, the, the statistical numbers are on par with, with Orr, and that, that's mind-blowing. And so when he's taking the step, now he's got to see. It's easy for players to just look at and say, like, that guy's going, i got to go too. And it, it really pushes the tempo for this team that – the in-game corrections are absolutely there. Rick Talk, I mentioned that last night. You know, he didn't have to go give some rah-rah speech after the first period. It was, hey, let's adjust a couple of things technically. And 40 minutes later, it's a tie game. They go win an OT. 
I'm not trying to pick holes in it. I'm I'm just genuinely curious if any part of this in your mind is is unsustainable or if it's going to regress back to the mean because look, I mean, everywhere you look, something's going right. We talked about the three guys on top in points. Besser's tied for the league lead with Austin Matthews and Kyle Connor with 13 goals. Uh, Philip Roenick has one of the longest point streaks of, of his career. Everywhere you look, something's going the right direction for the Vancouver Canucks. But is any of it in your mind coming from a, a, a stat or a perspective that they can't continue over 82 games? Is there anything like that where we're going to see this team come back to normal in your mind? All of it. Uh, again, <laughs> as I said, any passenger play is having success, but I think all of it will come back a little bit. And I think when we say, like, regress, you expect a, uh exact opposite reaction, right? The, the action has been they're, they're shooting like crazy, and, and the save percentage has been awesome. And then it's going to go all the way back to, like, whoa, they're – Thatcher Demko is suddenly going to save 81% of shots for a month and it'll regress and everything will even out and it'll be okay. I, I, I don't think that's a reality, but it, it'll clearly regress a little bit. Like uh, a year ago, we talked about, hey, JT Miller had a 99-point season. I said, well, if he regresses 20%, that's still a large. He's still going to get 80 points, and he ended up with 82. So even if it regresses a little bit, it'll still be like Thatcher Demko is still playing like 9.15 save percentage instead of this ungodly level he's at. And the team, yeah, they're probably not going to shoot 11.5% at 5.5, but they might shoot 10%. And when you bank so many points so far this year, at 26 points so far this year, I, I suspect that they'll just kind of be hanging around like that 105 mark and they can just kind of play 500 hockey the rest of the way. So, yeah, it, it will regress, but it, it's getting increasingly difficult to build a case of why they won't be having success this year. Uh, depth has kind of shined through. I know it's probably not the main talking point for this group, knowing mm-hmm. uh, the guys are at 26 points or uh, Ronick at 17. But, man, I look at this lineup, and I look and I see, okay, uh, all these guys lower down the lineup. Bavillier's got six points. Sam Lafferty has six points. You and me talked about Phil DiGiuseppe uh, not all that long ago. It's it's really not just a top-heavy effort. The top guys are scoring and scoring a lot, but they're kind of being backed up by a lot of different pieces on this roster, too. Yeah, the the third line is really stabilized uh, with Connor Garland, Pew Suter, who missed the game yesterday, and Dakota Joshua. Uh, they've They've really kind of settled in. And recently, Connor Garland's kind of put up a couple of points here, obviously on the weekend uh, against Toronto. But they they just look more stable, and they're they're driving the play as well on that line. I think it's a sixty percent expected goal share uh, on that line, so very encouraging uh, for that line. But as you mentioned, yeah, there's some guys scoring uh, on the fourth line as well. But it's also like this has been the, the conversation a bit here of what happens when injuries happen. And now Carson Soucy uh, takes a shot off the ankle; he's out six to eight weeks. And you saw last night uh, two D-men come into the lineup, Mark Friedman and Noah Juleson. Noah Juleson played 11:25, and Mark Friedman played 9:48. So they really leaned on Quinn Hughes, who wound up playing 29 minutes last night. That's where the depth is a bit of a concern. You want to think, talk about things about regressing? If it, one injury hit in Carson Soucy, not even to Quinn Hughes, not even to Brock Besser, to J.T. Miller, to Carson Soucy, and you see they had two D-men playing sub-12 minutes. What happens in the forward ranks if an injury happens? 
saw Andre Kuzmenko take a shot off the chin. Uh, if if that sort of stuff creeps up, that's sort of the regression. But right now, uh, they're getting some uh, scoring from all over the ice. Well, why even worry about about injury or anything, Bick? I can I can suggest to you a player here in Calgary who wears number sixteen, and uh, you could just acquire him for some high draft picks or perhaps some NHL ready prospects, and you can. Uh, you can fill in your D depth right away. Why even? Why even worry? It's just you're Nikita's a door off away from a Stanley Cup in Vancouver. Why not make that kind of move, Bick? Should we just hammer out the trade right now and you Let's can do send it. it over to Conroy? Yeah. I can send it over to Alvin, and we're we, like, hey, we sorted it out. We might as well. I think we just save everybody a lot of time and do that. <laughs> Is that like? Uh, I know, I know, Dolly Wall and, and everybody over there has been been big on this since. Uh, his agent dropped that bomb in Toronto. Is, is that a fit in your mind? Is Nikita Zadorov uh, the depth piece that this team is missing to really cement this decor in Vancouver? Uh, okay, let me put it this way. I do not dispute the Canucks infatuation with Nikita Zadorov, right? We, we went through this last year with Gavrikov, and he ended up in L.A., and, and we sat here and was like, where's the fit? Or is it the right timeline? And the Canucks were hot after Gavrikov, and I think wanted him to get to free agency, and L.A. ultimately resigns him. So I don't dispute that the idea that the Canucks are interested in Zadorov or value him. I, I just don't see like the, the cap machinations to make it work. I don't understand the timing to try to make it work. Because are, are you going to pay a premium to get a guy who's a UFA? And, yeah, you can uh, sign him and, and get the long-term service years, but I, I think it just makes more sense from, from Vancouver's point of view to just wait it out and see if there's an opportunity in the offseason because they didn't push the button to go after Gavrikov uh, like they did. So and, and, like, I, I think there's cap hurdles even before you get to a stage of, oh, let's go and acquire someone. They got to sort out Anthony Bovillier. They got to sort out Tyler Myers. Like that's over ten million dollars right there. We're we're not that far removed. We're a month removed from Connor Garland news. So that add another five million dollars there. So there's about like fifteen to twenty million dollars that are still inefficient on this roster, and they're up against the cap. I, I just don't see a world where you can just say, hey, three point seven five billion of Nikita Zadorov. Let's just add it in. Does Philip Ronick not need a, a pretty massive raise based on his start to the year, too? Uh, I came into the year. I was like, you know, we, we keep seeing this $50 million deal and six years get handed out to all sorts of D-men. I mean, Mackenzie Weaker got one, right? And Josh Morrissey got one. And Ryan Ellis got one. I just thought, that's the deal. It's going to get handed out. Or eight years, however long it is. Um, that's the deal that's going to get handed out. There's, there's a market precedent uh, for Philip Ronick uh, to get that type of deal. And now he's gotten us. 10-game point streak and might get 60 points, and uh, I look like quite the fool all of a sudden of, of what that contract might look like. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it'll crest uh, Quinn Hughes' number because I think a lot of people are just, like, salivating, um, Alan Walsh in particular, saying, like, 7.8, let's go. <laughs> that, that, that might set an internal cap, but uh, I came into this year thinking, like, 6.2, 6.5, and that number might start with a 7 with how good he's played. And, and it's it's... It's not even just that, okay, like individually the player is good. He fits so well with Quinn Hughes. Yeah. That's the thing. And they're just kind of scratching the surface of how good they can be. And, and Quinn Hughes last night uh, was phenomenal, not just because of the goal, but he put Islander forward after Islander forward into the blender. They chased after him at the blue line, 
And it wasn't just like one move. It was he brought us a full array. So if, if Flames fans are looking at it tonight and saying, oh, there's Mangiapane. He's got a chance to chase down Hughes or Coleman or whoever. You'll see Quinn Hughes kind of put guys into the dust. Uh, and last but certainly not least in Vancouver, uh, different insiders in your market and, and league-wide talking that uh, the Vancouver Canucks are at least working away at a contract extension for Elias Pettersson. Um, that's got to be good news for Canucks fans to hear. And look, I, I can't blame Patrick Alvine at this point in time. If the going's good and you can convince him that this is what the team is going to look like, whether that's true or not, uh, going forward, now would be the ideal time to get pen to paper with Elias Pettersson and not have to worry about this. Is, does it feel like it's getting closer in Vancouver? Do we have a, a sense of optimism that that deal is going to get done sooner rather than later? Yeah, I don't know if it's so much about Patrick Alvine uh, wanting to get it done, because I think they've always wanted to get it done. I just think they wanted an idea of what the framework might look like. Elias Pettersson has spoken publicly. He's not sure if he wants a long-term deal or for a short-term deal. And so when one side of the negotiating party can't really provide you like what they're thinking, I, I think the Canucks have just kind of sat idly by, looking longingly across the table of, like, we're ready when you are. We're, we're, we're ready to do this. And... Uh, now, you know, there might be some indication that Patterson's obviously got a better feeling about the organization, but as, as word kind of trickles out of, hey, maybe it's a shorter-term deal and you can build a structure, kind of what we saw with Austin Matthews, uh, but if they want to follow a model of a long-term deal like a David Pashenek, like that was kind of reported three weeks ago as well. So I, I think they're just looking for clarification of kind of the deal that Elias Pettersson wants. Because I don't, I don't know if the, the Canucks are approaching this of, hey, we can sell Elias Pettersson on whatever contract we want. The player is going to dictate a, a large portion of this as well. So uh, if, if Pettersson wants a short-term deal, then we'll, we'll sort out a, a short-term deal. If he wants a long-term deal, we'll, we'll line up the eight years. We're thrilled to do that. But I think they've been looking for the go-ahead of what type of deal the Pettersson camp wants. If you were to do a special edition of, of Bix Picks and uh, put down some, some coin on what the deal looks like when it's all said and done, would you go over or under three and a half years on the contract? I'll say over. But if you said four and a half, I'd be very conflicted. I think I think if it's a short term deal, half, then. yeah. If it's a short term deal, I think it probably lines up with. Uh, um, I guess Quinn Hughes goes to twenty twenty seven. So 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 maybe you're on something, but I, I would say maybe four is the wheelhouse because then that would take him to uh, twenty nine. You can still get one more uh, big big contract. Uh, so I, I would be looking at four as number if it's a short term deal. Yeah, three and a half was. And you're right. Three and a half was the number I threw because that lined up with Quinn, and I thought. Maybe that would be the line of thinking for Pedersen in his camp, but at least to, to ride with the captain while he's going good. But yeah, I can see, you know, I think the Austin Matthews deal and, and how that works out for him is something that Pedersen in his camp probably will look at and, and see. I'm curious to see when that gets done and what it looks like, because you're right. Uh, interesting to hear them so interested in a guy like Nikita Zadorov, but feels like there's a little bit of work to get done in town before they, uh, they get figured out how to add any salary cap and, in Vancouver. And, and the other thing, too, just kind of for, for flame fans that are just like, all right, like start, start shipping out assets or something like that. Like the Philip Peronic one came out of nowhere le- uh, last year. And it was not on anyone's radar and it just showed up. So if they're going to make a sizable addition like they did last year, I, I'm curious if it's maybe kind of off the radar rather than that's something that's so uh, out there and open. 
We'll see what happens. Uh, looking forward to tonight's game, man. Appreciate the time as always. Uh, enjoy the matchup tonight. We'll chat with you again soon, Bick. Talk soon. Thanks, pal. Bick Nazar joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline from Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, of course, covering the good times uh, for the Vancouver Canucks to start the season. It's been a historic start for them, one of their best seasons ever, or best starts to a season ever. Uh, go up and down the stats. I've talked about them all day long. Uh, JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, and Quinn Hughes all sit atop the NHL's point-scoring race right now with 26. Brock Besser is tied with uh, Kyle Connor and Austin Matthews for the NHL's goal lead at 13. Quinn Hughes has the most assists by anybody in the league right now uh, at 20, and number two is currently occupied by Elias Pettersson. Uh, Quinn Hughes is the best plus-minus in the league right now. Thatcher Demko is second in wins in the NHL right now. It has been all Vancouver to start the season, and again, it was a team that I wondered about heading into this season because, yeah, okay, Philip Ronick was going to get his first year there. Wasn't a ton of changes. Rick Tockett got his first training camp with the group. I, I don't know that I ever expected it to to blow up like it has. Will it continue at, at this rate? I mean, it would be some kind of historic season for Vancouver if it did. But you, you'd think at some point these guys are going to slow down a little bit. Well, uh, Flames fans certainly hoping that's tonight. Vancouver enters uh, action atop of the Western Conference with a 12 Three and one record. They're expected to go with goaltender Casey DeSmith in goal after uh, Thatcher Demko picked up the OT win against the New York Islanders on Wednesday. Flames look to counter with former Vancouver Canucks goaltender Jacob Markstrom. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. More on the Calgary Flames. We'll look more into the Jonathan Huberto conversation, which has dominated the airwaves here in Calgary for uh, a number of weeks now. Greg Millen. Uh, one of our uh, Sportsnet analysts joined the big show with Rustic and Rose with his thoughts uh, on Jonathan Huberto and maybe a bit of a strategy to get Hubie going. We'll hear from Greg next as Sportsnet Today rolls on here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, we're getting you set for a Flames game day. Flames and Canucks. Scotiabank, Saddledome, Red Hot, Vancouver Canucks. are coming off an OT win against the Islanders on Wednesday Flames have had a couple of days off. They'll go with the same lineup they had against the Montreal Canadiens in a 2-1 win, including Jacob Markstrom getting the start in goal. Jonathan Huberto stays on the line with Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman. Kadri with the youngsters, Zary and Pospisil. Ruzicka, Lindholm, Manjapani, Greer, Sharon Govich, Dubé, of course, your deep pairings, which have been rock solid of late. Got to give some credit to Nick DeSimone, who's come in and played uh, pretty well in that third pairing. Uyghurs with Anderson, Hannafin with Tanev, Zadorov, and DeSimone. Canucks did not skate this morning, obviously, after a game last night. But they're expecting Casey DeSmith to get the start in goal after Thatcher Demko picked up his eighth win of the season last night for Vancouver. Uh, they're 12-3-1 sitting on top of the Western Conference standings, entering action on Thursday. It's going to be a tough test for the Calgary Flames. The Canucks, whether you believe it's sustainable or not, I have no idea if it is, are red hot right now. Their power play is next level. They've got JT Miller buying in. Quinn Hughes looks like he's taking another step with the captaincy and with a really solid partner 
on Dean Philip Ronick. Uh, this Vancouver Canucks team, as much as it might pain me to say, um, looks like they're going to be a legit threat. It's going to be hard for that team to miss the playoffs or anything like that just based off of how well they've started this season. Uh, it's going to be a story to watch to see how long they can sustain this level of success. Our Flames coverage tonight, by the way, starts at 6 o'clock with Pat Steinberg. He's got your Flames warm-up leading you up to 7 o'clock puck drop with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960. The fan, make sure you're tuned in for that one. Flames and the Canucks part of nine games on the NHL schedule this Thursday. That includes the NHL's Global Series, which is happening right now in Sweden, Detroit, Ottawa, Toronto, and Minnesota, all part of this Global Series. Uh, And right now, Detroit and Ottawa tied at four with 12 minutes left to go in period number three. Ottawa get out to a 4-0 lead, and they've watched it evaporate thanks to four second-period goals from the Red Wings. Uh, Goal scorers, two from Brady Kachuk. Josh Sanderson's got his fourth. Josh Norris with his fifth. And then the Red Wings responded with goals from Raymond Perron, DeBrinket, and Shane Gostisbear. Other games still to come tonight. You've got the Devils and the Penguins at five. Golden Knights are in Montreal to take on the Habs. Coyotes, Blue Jackets, Lightning, and Blackhawks go at 6 o'clock. You can watch that game on Sportsnet 360 tonight as Connor Bedard gets his first taste of uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Also, uh, late games tonight, Islanders at Kraken. 8 o'clock start there. 8.30 starts for St. Louis at San Jose. Florida takes on the LA Kings. So it's a busy night across the NHL including that early game happening right now in Sweden. Uh, Back to the Calgary Flames. Focus, of course, right now for this group. Trying to get two in a row, pick up a win against the Vancouver Canucks. Going to be a big thing on Thursday, but still so much conversation around this team when it comes to trade requests, players who might not want to be here for a rebuild, and, of course, the ongoing conversation about how do you get Jonathan Huberto going. Uh, Thursday will be his second night on a line with Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman. Night one was not a resounding success for number 10, but we'll see a small sample size does not uh, paint the whole picture. Uh, It's been a talking point for a lot of people, including those around the team. One of them, Greg Millen, who's uh, filled in with Rick Ball and a couple of the Flames TV broadcasts. He's a former NHL goaltender himself and now a color analyst on Sportsnet. He joined Matt Rose and George Russick on the big show uh, earlier on Thursday to sort of chat about this Eastern Conference road trip for the Calgary Flames, which ended in a 1-1-1 record for the Calgary Flames, but more so came with a lot of outside noise from Nikita Zadorov to reports from about Nazem Kadri and his potential future with the team, and of course more on Jonathan Huberto and what this team needs to get him going. Let's get Greg Millen's thoughts on uh, the Eastern Con- starting with the Eastern Conference road trip and all the noise that surrounds the Calgary Flames right now. Yeah, the off-ice stuff is really unfortunate because I think the team has been playing uh, much much better as a group. I mean, I don't think we've ever questioned their work ethic throughout the start of the year. We've questioned a lot of their giveaways and their defensive structure. Part of that, and a lot of that is the new coach implementing a new defensive zone structure. And uh, Ryan Huska, I think, has done a really good job keeping the ship together with all the distractions, for sure, and the free agent stuff going on and, and so on. I did think that the road trip was, you know, very successful. You walk into Toronto, and I mean, I'm not a 
shootout fans. So it feels like a loss after that, but they played a heck of a hockey game in there, came back. Uh, the Ottawa game, I, you know, the positive with, for me was, was the way Wolf played. I thought he was steady. I think he looks like an NHL goalie. Um, it looks like they didn't have a lot in the tank that night. Then they go to Montreal and, you know, you wonder, you got a couple of too many days off in Montreal. Oh, that's going to look. Obviously the boys looked after themselves and good on them or played guilty one or the other. But, uh, you know, Markstrom was outstanding, number one. But I am noticing now that the patience in their own zone is coming. You know, they're not chasing as much. And, and if you think about it, you know, you go from a man-on-man where you're running all over the place chasing to now a zone structure where you have to be patient and lay, leave players to the outside and let them stay there. I think they're starting to catch on a little more of their assignments defensively, even though Markstrom, of course, was outstanding. And we are seeing less giveaways. We're still seeing them, but uh, I think I haven't charted it, but I would assume that they're down compared to where they were uh, earlier in the year. So, you know, a pretty good road trip, really. And, you know, it should have really had, you know, if you think about it, uh, that darn over uh, shootout, but, you know, an overtime stuff, but they, uh, they, they play pretty well. Um, when, Greg, when you say Dustin Wolf looks like an NHL goaltender, what are some of the things you're looking for? Positional play, poise, uh, which he has both. Uh, you know, he's not a big man, so he's going to have to be almost perfect technically. And uh, he's got the speed, so that's not an issue. And uh, for me so far, and, and again, I mean, it's it's you have to have a, a sample of work, and a couple of games isn't enough. But, you know, you, 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 like, you like his success. You like the way he conducts himself. Uh, I don't know the young man, but apparently he's a wonderful kid with great work ethic. So, you know, he checks a lot of boxes, and uh, I really like his uh, – his control in the net, which is what he's going to have to have. And his anticipation as well, a little bit of hockey sense, you'll have to have that playing at his size. And, uh, you know, so far so good. I wonder if we're going to see more instances like this past weekend where the Flames call up Dustin Wolf just to give Jacob Markstrom a, a day, a little bit of a maintenance break. Did you like how that worked over the course of the uh, three games over five days, bring him up, giving him an NHL game. He goes back down because he doesn't have to do waivers. Everyone gets a break. Did you like how that laid out for the goalies? Well, it's not a bad way to find out what you've got, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with Dustin to begin with. And, and secondly, clearly uh, the management team has decided, you know, and I'm sure they have numbers on this is that uh, Markstrom needs to play less. And, you know, he's banged up a bit too, obviously he had to be, but in saying that, it's almost like they have a plan. They're saying, okay, 60 is too many, 66 is too many. You know, maybe we need to get him into the 50 area, and, and, and he's better that way. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me to back that up, but you know the coaching, coaching staff does, and I would assume that's uh, – it certainly looks that way anyway. That's the way they want to go with Jacob. Connor's Aries come up and had a lot of success, but what about the surprise, perhaps, that Martin Pospisil has been? Yeah, good, good, hard player. You know, has some spunk. Goes to the net. Uh, you like this right now, and and, and Dewar, I, I'm a big fan. I know he's had a bit of a tough start, but you know, you you love the fact that these kids have had success in the American League level, and now they're coming up and playing at the National Hockey League level and doing the same thing. And you look back uh, not so long ago to the Tampa Bay Lightning model. And how many of those players won championships in the American League and then came up and became a, a, a very successful story in Tampa Bay? So I, I think they're building something special in Calgary. I know there's been some tough times, and, but for me, that's a real positive because if you can start promoting within, 
drafting properly and having a really good American Hockey League program where you're promoting players from it, not every team in the NHL can say that. In fact, a lot can't. So this is a real positive for me and a credit to the scouting staff and the development folks uh, that are bringing these kids along. Greg Millen, NHL analyst on Sportsnet, part of his conversation with uh, Matt Rose and George Russick on the big show earlier on Thursday. Lots of Flames topics there with Greg, the former NHL goaltender. Good perspective on Jonathan Huberto and, yeah, all those moves that uh, potentially being talked about. Uh, Greg makes a good point. The salary cap still a consideration, especially earlier on this season. Uh, fun to talk about with Toronto or Vancouver, whoever else, but uh, going to take some juggling around for the salary cap for any of that to happen. We'll see what happens tonight. It's the Vancouver Canucks in town to take on the Calgary Flames. Again, our Flames coverage gets going at 6 with Flames warm-up, but uh, Pat's got Flames talk at 4 with Aaron Vickers. Uh, Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson will be on the call at 7 o'clock tonight, part of nine matchups across the NHL. The Global Series is underway from Sweden with the Red Wings and the Sens tied at 4 this afternoon. There's also Thursday night football coming your way. Great uh, AFC North battle between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. Cincy 5-4 and four on the season. Baltimore is 7-3. and three. They'll kick off at 6-15 tonight, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, also some MLB news today. Owners approving the relocation of the Oakland A's to Las Vegas. Uh, they're going to set uh, construction and hopefully have uh, the team in Las Vegas on a full-time basis by 2028, so next year, uh, the last year of their lease at the Coliseum in Oakland, going to be an awkward one, knowing that the A's will not be there uh, in the future. Uh, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred also announcing that Atlanta will host the 2025 MLB All-Star Game. You want to watch some hockey tonight, the Flames and Canucks will be on Sportsnet West. Sportsnet 360 going to cover the Chicago Blackhawks and the Tampa Bay Lightning as Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks host Tampa at 6 o'clock. So a busy sports night coming your way. Uh, of course, keep it tuned to the Flames and the Canucks right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, we're wrapping it up today. A uh, quick thank you to both of our guests, Big Nazar, uh, for a little a look at the opposition, uh, the red-hot Vancouver Canucks in town. If you want uh, a look at the opponent tonight for the Calgary Flames, check out our conversation with Bick earlier today. We drove into all of those MLB topics I mentioned with our pal Adnan Verk. Uh, as well as taking a look at the AL and NL Cy Young winners, which were announced on Wednesday. All of that available on our podcast, which is up moments after every hour. Finishes here on Sportsnet 960. Catch it on Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. And uh, a quick shout out to my outstanding producer on this Thursday afternoon, Cam Hughes riding solo. Uh, great job, as always. Thank you for listening with it live on the podcast. We'll turn things over on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.